Hello everyone and welcome to Restoration Temple's podcast out of Lima, Ohio. Today, Pastor Gene Salisbury continues a sermon series entitled, Moving On. Let's join him as he gets underway. Last week we talked about the life of Jacob, his li- some of the things in his life. Uh, starting out in Genesis uh, 47, it says, Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh, and went out from them before Pharaoh. One went, went out from before Pharaoh. One of the things I, I thought about this week is the, I, I stopped at the word pilgrimage because the word means a journey or a trip. As far as I know, besides the Bible, the number one selling book of all time in, in the world is Pilgrim's Progress. So the Bible's number one, and then Pilgrim's Progress. And that is the life, of course, of a pilgrim, <laughs> traveling through this life. And so talk about trials and tests. It's, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly of this pilgrim. But the thing is, he's always heading towards somewhere else besides this earth. He's always heading towards this celestial city. Does anybody here a pack rat? Does anybody here? You know, I never would have thought, and I still am not going to confess this, because I have a small house. I have a small space. So when, when my mother passed away, when my mother passed away, she had a, a basement, and you could eat off this basement floor just about, you know. That's the type of floor it was, you know. It was just spick and span. All of her, when she passed away, all of her life's belongings, all of her treasures were in a basement shower. And it wasn't much different from my grandmother. They more or less lived about that way. Well, something's been dawning on me lately as I move along in years. Of some of the stuff that we have kept, one of the things that's happening is it just seems less and less important. It's just more for five kids to deal with. You know what I mean? It's like, why in the I know what they're going to say. Why in the world did you keep this? The Santa Pure Dairy used to bring, come door, you know, the, the milkman came door to door, so the Santa Pure Dairy man would come to our house. And for a while, the Santa Pure Dairy uh, brought cottage cheese in these little plastic, only a stem and then a top, and then a round bottom. So we got, we, I don't know how many of these, we, we got cottage cheese and cottage cheese and cottage cheese. And, and I know that I can't name one of my kids that's going to want those plastic goblets. And everything we have is in our basement. By the way, our basement is not, well, maybe not everything, but we have another room upstairs. But, anyhow, but most of what we have is in this basement. And my point is this, is it's just becoming less important. Yeah. It's becoming less important. And uh, I think that's what everybody's going to 
everybody's going to find out as they go along. And, and um, I talked to Ron, uh, Ron Spencer at the Y a, few, a couple of months ago, and he, he, told, he said, you know, like, where, you know where I'm going? I'm going to go sell a farm to a 90-year-old man. So this guy is 90 or 90 years old, you must have buy this farm, you know. Well, more power to him, but, but uh, my guess is he won't be all around all that long to enjoy it, but uh, we shall see. He said 130 years have been, 130 have been years of my pilgrimage, and I have not attained to the, to the lives of my forefathers. Well, he had more, he had more of a life to live, but he's not done yet. So, the word pilgrimage is important because where we're, where we're going, we just can't take it with us, folks. And, and really, we used, to, we used to, I guess, flippantly say, all most of the years I've been saying, is only what you do for Christ will last. I'm, I'm here to say that only what we do for Christ will last. And the only thing that we can really take with us is what's in our hearts. Amen? What's in our hearts, and, and that's, what, that's what's going to go. Yeah, and so, anyhow, the word pilgrimage is so important. And those of the, if you're here this, mor this morning and you're young, I'm here to tell you this that I have learned also. Your time will go fast. You too will get along in years and you won't be saying, boy, it took a long while to get here. You'll say, I can't believe how fast this went. The same way you can't believe how fast your kids grew up and how fast they left the house and yeah, you know what I mean? It just seems like yesterday they were, you know. Anyhow, he lived 147 years, but he died. Lived 147 years. <clears throat> Jacob's life was filled with the good, the bad, the ugly. Financially, I'll read this to you. Financially, well, I guess I have it up here. Perhaps, I don't know. Financially, he was consistently cheated by his father-in-law. He lived 20-plus years thinking Joseph, his beloved son, was dead. One of his sons committed adultery with one of his wives. All these, you know, read these things down. These things are heart-wrenching things. <clears throat> I mean, let me, let me start out again. Financially, he was consistently cheated by his father-in-law. His wages kept being changed. He was cheated constantly, had to deal with this. He lived 20-plus years thinking Joseph, his beloved son, was dead. As far as he knew, he would, go, he would die with that aching heart. And one of his sons committed adultery with one of his wives. His daughter was raped. Two of his sons killed, killed the man that raped the daughter, then killed the man's father, and then killed every man in town. Killed a whole city full of people. Shisham, the town of Shisham. As a shepherd, Jacob lives out, lived many years out in the open. And this is something that we... We probably don't grasp that much, but he suffered from cold weather. He describes, he describes uh, to his father-in-law what he had to deal with out in the open. So it's not that he, everybody else took care of his business. He was out there. <laughs> he suffered from the cold weather. He had to protect the sheep from wild animals. And Jesus said the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that's what Jacob had to do. And he mentions how when the wild animals would take one out, that he bore the loss of that. He couldn't save them all, obviously. He gives us insight into the life of a shepherd. And then last week we spent most of our time talking about Rachel. 
He loved Rachel. <laughs> he really loved Rachel. Genesis 35, 16 says, Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor. Now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, Do not fear, you will have this son also. And so it was, as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar on her grave, which is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Then, Ra then Israel journeyed, or moved on, and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. So all these great biblical characters that we study had a great ability, <clears throat> by grace and faith, to move on. And I got to believe, I have to believe that the reason the message like this comes is there's possibility, could be from the pulpit on down, my guess is whether we say it or not. You know, a few years ago, some of you might not remember me telling this, but a few years ago, I, I came in the church and a couple of our ladies were talking. And so I walked up to them and I said to both of them, how are you doing? And one of them said, we're standing here lying to each other. Because obviously the one had said, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. <laughs> and they both weren't. And that's the way we are. Kreensman, I guess it showed up. I guess it showed up at the hospital last time I was there with the flu or whatever. You know, you have high blood pressure. No, I take medicine for it. Do you have a breathing problem? No, I have coma vent. The nurse at one point said, "I'm on to you. I'm on to you." That's what more or less Pam and. Uh, Pam and Karina have been lately. They're, they didn't say, without, without saying those words, just like, I'm on to you. Rachel named her son Benoni, son of my sorrow. I like this. But Jacob canceled out the name Rachel. He gave her son and named him Benjamin, son of my right hand. The event, the death of Rachel, was not going to end, was not the end of life for Jacob, and Benjamin was not going to be stuck with a name that was not prophetic. Benjamin would go down, go on to become one of the greatest men that ever lived. Benjamin had a great mom, but mom was wrong in this case. Mom was, mom was going to name that event after a, after a hard, after a test and trial, actually it cost her life, but she was going to put tag this son, which by the way, wherever he went the rest of his life, they Names were important in, in the Bible days. That told what that told a lot about your life, about your calling, about your future. So here comes the son of my sorrow, rather than the son of my right hand. Isn't that good? That is so good. In my uh, early years in, in my early years in Christ, I used to sing. First couple of few years I was saved, I actually sang specials in church. I was known for that versus a song leader or preacher. Brother Gene, you have a song. Probably dropped a note now and then, but I was still known for uh, one, of the, one of the songs we used to sing 
I used to lead this one was there's a new name written down in glory. And it's mine. The song says, oh, yes, it's mine. You know, I don't know. I don't know what my name is. I'm going to find out someday. But according to the word of God, God's in the naming people, as you know. And I'm telling you that your name and my name is not son of my sorrow. Amen. Whatever name I have, whatever name, when I get there, whatever name I find out I had, it's going to be a good one. Amen. Named after, named after what I was capable of doing. No, certainly not as much as some, but somehow or other I got a good prophetic name, and so don't you. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, he's got good news for you, amen? He's got a good name. A good name for you. It will not be son or daughter of my sorrow. The question I asked last time is, have we moved on? Have I moved on? And that's why I just wanted to read some things down here for you, so it would be of interest to you or not. But I'm going to about five minutes, but listen up. And like this book here, when I'm reading this book, he is encouraging me. He has encouraged me in my, in my situation in life. Like if God can do that, after all these years, you can still travel and you can still write. You had to move on. You had to move on. In 1986, after being a pastor for eight years, we suffered a church split. That was very painful. We never were a large church, but the Lord helped us to mature most of the people that were saved under our ministry. But when the split happened, we went from about 80 people to 50. Now, back in those days, there were mergers taking place. As a matter of fact, the way we received this building here was, was a merger. The congregation fell off here and fell off here and fell off here to where they were having, they were sitting, like, sitting downstairs around one table. This was a, a dynamic Mennonite church. First Mennonite church was dynamic. They were known for their, for their vacation Bible schools. Our kids attended them. And so this, this place was awesome. But as the neighborhood changed, et cetera, et cetera, whatever happened, happened, and it came down to like a table full of people. In 1994, it opened up to us because they merged with Northside. They, they merged with Northside Mennonite. In short, though, after that happened, Restoration Temple merged with New Life in Ottawa. But after two, after two years, or just a little over two years, there was a church split in Ottawa. And I was right in the middle. During this time, Crane and I took much of a summer off, and we attended a Crossroads DTS with Youth of the Mission in Concord, New Hampshire. Upon returning from New Hampshire, there was no way things were going to work out in Ottawa, so I resigned. To a great de degree, that I took the split in Ottawa personally. I thought, this is honest, I thought, I'm Jonah, and if you'll just throw me overboard, everything will just settle down here. <laughs> well, I, was, I, I threw myself overboard, but it didn't settle down. And in just a matter of, of weeks, that, that church closed uh, altogether. While I was still in New Hampshire, each morning, Crean and I would, would pray together. We sat on a bed like Indians. We sat on this bed like an Indian, and we would pray every morning. That was our morning, our morning ritual. We didn't know that John and Lisa Kimball, who were heading for a belief, could hear us through the walls. Our prayers traveled. I'm glad we played mostly good stuff, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, 
But they could actually, our prayers were, tra- <laughs> were traveling down the, down the walls. Now they let us know that in time. <laughs> and one, one morning while we were sitting there like these Indians, I told, <clears throat> I told Creed, I said, we're going back to Lima. And we're going to, we're supposed to go back and rebuild. For a few weeks after that, things were in limbo. I was actually bird watching in my backyard. Had a swing back there, and so I'm like. So one day I walked downtown. I, I walked downtown, and at the Civic Center was a business expo of some kind. So as I walked around, there was a booth there for the Kensington Argonne. And a young lady was running the booth, and she was the manager of what now, what used to be one of our, our the greatest, I guess the best hotel in Lima, when Lima had all the hotels downtown. It was like the, the premier hotel, but that was like for mostly senior housing. And this girl named Leanne was behind the counter. As I was talking to Leanne, um, the conversation came, well, I, I'm looking for a place to start a church. And she said, well, you know, we have the crystal room up here, and uh, we'd like to rent it. And so if you'd be interested, $10 a service. No, we could afford that. <laughs> and... Um, and now having a place to meet, I got in touch with, I got in touch with uh, those that I felt would be interested in starting back with us. So I contacted all those people by phone, uh, I think by phone, and let them know that our first service would be October 8th. At the Argonne, it was not easy. And my, my biggest battle, one of the biggest battles I fought was, I'm 48 years old, and can I do this again? Can I start from scratch, or do I want to? <laughs> you know. And there had been a lot of hurt, a lot of hurt uh, along the way. And so, matter of fact, one week at the Argonne, if things weren't bad enough, one couple that had been with us for a long time, there was visitors there that day, one of the couples that had been with us for a long time walked up to them and said, we're leaving. So that didn't help me that day. I wish they did. And we moved on and for close to two years rented the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And they, of course, were supposed Saturday, so we had their building. And in 1994, this, this building opened up to us. And we no longer had to move from tent to tent. And about the same time we moved in, I took a scripture and made it Restoration Temples at the bottom of our letterhead. If you ever get one of our letterheads, it says this. At last the Lord has made room for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. <laughs> hey, Diane. When it comes to Karina and I, you can't. When it comes to Karina and I, you can't separate what has happened to us from some of you, <laughs> because you've lived through all. There's people here that's lived through all, most of this with us. So, my pilgrimage and the things that I've gone, gone through, or Karina's gone through, and the things we've had to move on from, uh, we share with we share with many others because they had to move on uh, not only with our stuff but their own stuff, because things happened in their lives. Also, yeah, so, but many of the things we face, they've faced with us, and uh, we've been together in it. However, you know, in this spot, even though we have not, not grown that large, I thought, well, uh, we have been effective in accomplishing some things in this neighborhood, and we've been able to minister and make friends in Belgium and Hungary. We've been able to have ongoing ministry in Belize and Appalachia, and I think there's more that, that lies ahead. 
But think about this, think about this. All those early years of trouble up until we, until we landed here. And I put this down. I hope it's an encouragement to you. Just in missions, I personally went on five missions trips in my first 16 years of ministry. And that's what they're called, missions. So the, for the first 16 years, I made five missions trips. Since that time, I'm in the neighborhood of 100. I just want to say, get up and get going. Amen. <laughs> Dust yourself off. You know, whatever, you know, you say, you know, right now, right now you might say, I can't relate to a thing of this. I, I was born with a silver spoon in my mouth. But you, you never know about life and, and tests and trials. And my guess is if you're long, around long enough, you'll be tested and tested really good. J.I. Packer brings out about how God and the devil both test us. He brings out the one as negative and the one as positive. <laughs> the devil goes after us to destroy us. God tests us to make us stronger. What I thought I'd do then today was finish with the words, the words to, to Timothy. And coming from, as, as Paul writes to his son in the faith, 2 Timothy 4 says, I charge you therefore before God and the, the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, Timothy is a leader, it's believed, the pastor, of a suffering church or the suffering church. It was no easy road. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and, and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you, be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. And what's the last three words? Fulfill your ministry. You see, I'm like, I'm like some of you. We're not going to go anywhere, really. We're like, we're like those apostles when, when, when those disciples left Jesus. He turns to his, his disciples and says, will you also go away? They said, well, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. So my point is this. I'm going to hang around. What are you doing? Just hanging around. And that can happen spiritually. Stop. We're not going to go anywhere. We're not going to leave the church. But many people, if they would really testify to what's really going on, they would say, I'm just really hanging around. In other words, that hurt me, this hurt me, that hurt me. And I said, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to, I'm never going to teach again. I'm never going to, no, no, no. And so they're still in the house of God. They're still singing. They're still worshiping. They're still praying. They're doing, it's just the command, the command to Paul, to Timothy is the same to us. Fulfill your ministry. Do what you were called to do. And if you have to do it through a one church split, and you have to do it through another second church split, and if you have to do it through whatever death and destruction, fulfill your ministry. And by the grace and faith of God, we can get up and get going. Amen? And that's what I want to say to you this morning, and no matter what's going on now, it could be later on, you're going to say, you know, <laughs> Pastor Priest, you know, Pastor Salisbury, years ago, Priest this message, you know. For Timothy, for Timothy to fulfill his ministry, he would have to move on. He would have to move on from those times and places where it would not be easy or seem right to just quit. 
it would seem easy or just, just the right thing to do. 2 Timothy 4, for I am ready to be poured out as a drink offering. I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering. That's, that's a sacrificial. We can be living drink offerings also, you know. Poured out. Totally poured out. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. A good fight is one you win. Amen? I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is, a, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but also all who have loved his appearing. <laughs> Isn't that good? I'm going to read a note. If, it, if there ever was a person that moved on after going through some very hard times and hard places, it would be the Apostle Paul. If there ever was a person that had to move on after going through some hard times and hard places, it was the Apostle Paul. Thanks for listening to this week's service. If you'd like the notes from today, please email us at restorationtempleatlive.com. Thanks again for listening and have a blessed week.